Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And my name is Karen and my pronouns are he, him. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabe, Nihayawak, Ojikri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Thanks, Karen. So, are you taking up space on a feminist radio show? Absolutely, I am. Always. <laughs> I love taking up space. Taking up space is a really interesting phrase that you'll hear a lot of feminists use. And for people who aren't aren't really familiar with what that indicates, that's probably going to sound really confusing. So... So today we're going to break down some of the some of the things that we're referring to when we mean taking up space. Yeah. I when I first like started not reading clickhole articles that were like very anti-feminist, et cetera, et cetera. And like I actually started getting into like woke Facebook. Like this is like way back in grade 10. Oh, wow. I like that's when I like learned about like what taking up space was. And the first time I read about it was on like this like website thingy I don't even remember what it was to be quite honest but it was like about how fat people should take up space and that's like around the time when I was like getting bullied for um, being fat and I was like okay this is super cool I should see what this means so my perception for the longest time was that that's what taking up space is restricted to to be Mm. um, unapologetically yourself and just not really give an F about what you're like. Like you can't really apologize for just existing in a space. Right. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to like being fat shamed, you should just like own, own yourself and be like, well, I'm here. I'm here to stay. So that's what I used to think taking up space was. I think that's definitely part of it. I think that's a good example of how to own your space and take up your space. Yeah. But, but then like, how does that go into like the more contemporary, like feminist conversation? Because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's, well, this is like back in grade 10 though. (laughs) That's what my view was limited to. Mm -hmm, So how mm -hmm. does that phrase come into the recent conversations on feminism? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I definitely think that taking up space as it relates to body types is still part of the conversation, but we can sort of circle back to that. For the most part, when we talk about taking up space, we're referring a lot more to taking up conversational space and sort of a degree of entitlement to not only your space and your time, your talking time, but also kind of impinging on the space of people around you. So people who are more privileged will have been taught to take up space with their bodies, with their time. Mm -hmm. And when I say time, like talking time, there's been a lot of studies done on how So using the example of men and women, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of studies done on how women, even if they're speaking the same amount as men, will be perceived as dominating the conversation. And like they'll literally record for how long these people are speaking. Mm -hmm. 
And if the women are speaking very little, then they might be seen as, you know, yeah, that was that was equal. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> Equality there's, achieved. Yeah. So there's lots of studies been uh-huh. done on this. One of the sort of most cited is speaker sex and perceived apportionment of talk uh, by Anne Cutler. So that was done in 1990, but it's been replicated numerous times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, so something that people who have privilege and if you're entering a space in which you are being an ally this is something that you should always be aware of you should be aware of in terms of how you physically place yourself you should just be humble as heck like literally just don't even take up seats until other people have just really be like a fly on the wall kind of thing and then in terms of speaking like if you're being an ally like don't speak unless someone has asked you to because Time and time again, they'll have the conversation dominated by people who just want you to listen to them rant about how how you need to prove your humanity to them. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, those those arguments that just blow us away every time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so woke. It's it's so enlightening. Yeah. No, totally. And I and I get the and I get that, like how we should be as allies. But how does taking up space pertain to people who are marginalized because yes i like own up to my privilege etc etc but in many ways i'm too marginalized in different spaces so for example just my workspace like i am very much a part of the minority there is it's like extremely white dominated um Mm -hmm. and it's like very hard to like exist in that space sometimes so how would taking up space apply to that so my kind of perception of this is that it's all interconnected like you have to be there you have to speak you have to put in your time etc etc and and if you're on the side of the privileged then you shouldn't be taking up space in terms of like physical aspects of it like as you said like literally like not taking seats etc etc and like not speaking as much and like letting other people speak but not man spreading not not, (laughs) yeah let's well, That's let's talk th- about that. <laughs> let's talk about that. But how does taking up space apply to marginalized people and how should we do it? Own your space. Like as you were describing earlier in terms of in your high school experience where you were like, well, I should take up space because this society is oppressive towards fat people. So own your space. Recognize what you've got. Like if you if you want to take up your damn armrest, take up your armrest, but not even just that, like move how do I describe this? You know, you move through the world. Let me think. When you're a marginalized person, you will have been taught. You will have been absolutely bombarded with messages growing up that you should not take up space, that you should not exist in this world. Mm -hmm. So that will inevitably lead to you just kind of shrinking into yourself. Right. And that happens. That's happened to me. So the real advice here is reversing that. So like, you know, if I just try to give advice to a a person that holds privilege, this isn't going to sound like much. It's just going to be like, okay, you know, be confident. Speak when you need to speak. But to a person that's marginalized, it really carries a different weight because you will have been told so many Mm -hmm. times that what you say doesn't matter. You will be basically forced into not existing. Because society doesn't want to even acknowledge that you exist. Right. Let alone exist in their conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's about reversing that. It's about using your voice. It's a difficult thing, of course. And, you know, be gentle with yourself. If you're in a space and you have things that you want to say, it's going to take time to learn how to use your voice. And as for people who have privilege, it's a matter of 
don't speak for a person who is marginalized. It's, mm-hmm. you know, pass the mic. You know, it's it's right. it's a sort of this can be sort of a collaborative thing. Like that's the temptation because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to learn how to find your voice. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being an ally to somebody, if you do have privilege, it's take a step back and when they're ready, they'll, you know, they'll speak up. Right. Yeah, that was very good insight on both sides as what you should do when you're marginalized and when you're an ally to someone who's marginalized. But something that we need to talk about that I want to come back to is man spreading. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's spread the conversation about man spreading. You know what? I, I regret speaking. I regret speaking. Please, please take over now. The first thing that comes to mind is this insane video that was that went viral back in like November or December or something where this lady on like a Russian subway was pouring bleach on men's crotches because they were manspreading. It was bleach? I thought it like was bleach. I thought she was doing coffee. No, it was bleach. Oh my god. And it, it would like it would create a permanent stain on their pants and possibly skin burns as well. <gasps> like she was ruthless. Okay, <coughs> so well, that's I not don't, okay for no, many reasons. Thank you. Yeah, but, I agree. But 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 let's go to the root <laughs> cause of the issue before we say, oh, she's probably a bra burning feminist. Which well, I mean, if she does burn bras, all the power to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, let's let's tackle the root cause of the issue. What caused her to pour bleach on men's crotches? They were manspreading so hard that they were taking up like three seats. Mm, that's, that's very disgusting. Thing. Yeah. And like it's more than just inconvenient in terms of the fact that you're on a subway and like people can literally, they they should be able to sit down. They're standing when they don't have to. So mm-hmm. not only is it just an obnoxious thing, you know, that's just one context in which it happens. It happens in every single context. I, f- I feel like manspreading goes beyond the confines of like physical realms. I feel like it happens all the time in workspace. And like, this is not something new. We're, we're not like being revolutionaries here talking about how manspreading is a thing because mansplaining is a thing. Oh, you read my mind. Like, <laughs> you know, it happens all the time. It happens daily. It happens to me by men who think that they're more intelligent than I am because I'm a feminist, right? Like it happens all the time. Like think about all the conservative men that talk to me about, "Mm, do you not believe survivors now that you support the NDP and NDP has WAP canoe? (laughs) And I'm like, you really missed the point. But anyway, sorry. I Are really you trying to tell there. me about conservatives, Kren? You think <laughs> I don't know? <laughs> I really derailed there. But like this is this is not something that is new whatsoever. Like this has been happening in 2018 and 2019. Like it still continues to happen. And it's really upsetting. And I'm not going to mansplain to you why it's upsetting. Because clearly... <laughs> I love it, though. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what mansplaining is, Christina. (laughs) But no, I can't even begin to describe the number of instances in which I'll be on a bus where there's like sort of seats one behind the other. So there will be people behind me, people in front of me, and there will be no space under the chair. And I'll just have my knees at a 90 degree angle Mm -hmm. and my legs below me. Mm -hmm. And then dude behind me will be like grazing the backs of my ankles with his toes. Yep. yep, And it's like, yeah, you're a tall person. Oh. Oh, that's really gross. I really hated that with his toes. Ew. Oh, yeah. It's and like I it's not feet. that they'll Ew. necessarily be doing it intentionally. At least I sincerely hope not. Yeah. Um, if you're 
a tall person, yeah, that's a confound in the situation. But there, a lot of the times this happens. It's not a tall person. Mm-hmm. They're just taking up their space because mm-hmm. they feel entitled to it. And again, the metro example, like I've been on the bus where there's literally like more seats open, mm-hmm. but dude has to just spread his legs. Yeah. And then someone winds up having to stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Okay, I just thought of an example that is so like pertinent to me, just because at university we walk through hallways a lot. So in terms of who is more likely to move out of the way? Yeah, so this is a thing that goes through my mind a lot. I can tell you with absolute certainty of my anecdotal experience <laughs> that uh, that if somebody is, is wanting to have a little, little party right in the middle of the hallway, right in the middle of class switchover, usually guys. Yeah. Usually guys. And then you say, excuse me, and they don't budge. Whereas if I say, excuse me, it is usually a woman that is willing to move. Now, here's also kind of a funny tangential point. Sometimes I dress really butchy and think, and people think that I'm a guy. And this one guy bumped into me and he was like, oh, sorry, dude. And for like half a second, I felt so respected because he didn't realize that I was, in fact, a female. Wow. And I was like, wow, I've never been apologized to by a guy who has accidentally bumped into me in the hallway. And it was just for half a second. He looked at like my legs and thought I was a guy. Oh, yeah. Well, that is also very problematic on many levels, <laughs> but I feel like I fine. keep like, saying I, that. I, I don't worry about being misgendered. It's kind of whatever, but... Well, the fact that he apologized to you on account of like him thinking that you were a guy, uh-huh. but okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I just want to clarify that as a cis person, I don't personally worry about being misgendered, but that is a very important thing and you should always respect someone's gender. So I had to clarify that. Uh, Kran, before the show, you were kind of talking to me about how in some places, such as at work or elsewhere, you experience some feelings of discomfort when somebody's entitlement literally just... Ah, yes, yes, yes. I This is very important to me because I'm currently kind of going through this. And that's why I kept like asking you why and how should marginalized people take up space Oh. In, in like places mm. or like what taking up space means for marginalized people. Right. Because my workspace is extremely dominated mm. by white people. Mm-hmm. And it might just be a coincidence. I, well, I, you know what? I'm not going to get into that. But some of my immediate coworkers that I have to work with are very entitled people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really just one person. And like, I really love my other coworkers, but it just makes me feel extremely, extremely, extremely uncomfortable to the point where I have started to find other jobs. And, and it just really sucks because the job that I have right now is amazing. And it lets me interact with people from different walks of life. And it really frustrates me that one person has the power over me because of their entitlement that goes unchecked by them and themselves that I have to like take a step back from this, you know, because I truly love my workspace. I love the coworkers, but it's just one person and the entitlement with them is off the charts. And this is like the same person. I feel like I keep talking about them, but they have like some pretty problematic views on politics and we come into the workspace and this is kind of funny because our workspace, which is like predominantly white is supposed to be catering to international students. So it just is like this dichotomy of 
views, which is extremely disturbing. And Mm -hmm. I find that I should not have to, in a multicultural workspace, be like, "Mm, well, this is not this is not good. These views are not good. So (laughs) I should leave. Whereas I am bringing so much to the table. I am bringing so much to the people that I, you know, cater to. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like this is not my best self to think that, oh, well, this person is really crappy, so I should just, like, take a step back. I don't think that that's how my outlook should be because that's Mm -hmm. not real life, right? Like, I'm going to meet people who are absolute a-holes everywhere, and I should be equipped to deal with this, you know? I should be equipped to know how to stand up to people who who are extremely entitled who think that okay well i will just go to this one work-related event and completely dominate everyone over there and not let any of my other co-workers have a say in this because you know well i'm a very privileged person and i have always learned that my voice is more important than everyone else I, like i'm gonna find those people everywhere mm-hmm. everywhere and it's absolutely unrealistic of me to think that oh i should take a step back from this and not work here anymore and find a different job because chances are if i find a different job i'm probably going to encounter worse people there Mm -hmm. yeah so how do i not feel like an absolute piece of crap and just continue going to my workspace and own up to the fact that yes i'm marginalized yes i'm different yes i don't look like any one of you here and yes i bring different things to the table how do i turn all those negative things into positive aspects because That is something that affects me daily. When I enter the workspace, oftentimes the person at the front desk will think that I am one of the international students coming to ask for help. Whereas, no, Linda, I actually work here. (laughs) You know? Not only should you not have to defend that in a explicitly multicultural workspace, you should not have to defend that anywhere. The fact that... A person who is not white-skinned always has to defend to people why their humanity matters. Like, you're not crazy for feeling like you need to get away from that. It's absurd to have to defend why your humanity matters. And arguing with a person who just has watered it down to political difference, political Mm -hmm. views. You know, as long as they're thinking that way, you can't convince them that this has anything less to do than a simple difference in opinion because it has just never affected them that way. So I completely hear you, like, how these people can be such an impenetrable wall. Yeah, and and I, and I also feel like this is, like, a bigger conversation on taking up space in multicultural societies because what is multiculturalism? Like, I always think about this. and this we, is, we don't have it. Yeah, and whatever we do is absolutely the most problematic stuff I've ever heard in my entire life. Because what is multiculturalism, right? Like, it bothers me because this is such a big reason as to why it is hard to take up space when you are marginalized. Because there's always this narrative of us versus the other. And who is the us? It's usually, and and I'm going to talk in terms of Canadian context, Mm -hmm. white people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Completely ignorant of indigenous communities. But you know what? I'm not even going to get into that today. They are the us, and we live in a multicultural society where we accept other people, where we accept persons with disabilities, where we accept, you know, people of color, we accept immigrants, we accept this. No, I am not looking for your acceptance. This is the wrong version of multiculturalism. I'm sorry, but this creates a narrative of us versus them, and this is what I feel in my workspace every single day, that there is the us, and we are accepting these others 
and we are going to cater to them because this is our country. This is our these are our values. This is our university. This is you know, and and it really bothers me because I'm sorry, but who is the us you're talking about? We in Canada accept immigrants. We in Canada accept refugees. Well, not really. Who is the we you're talking about? Because clearly when you say we, you have assumed that there is a core national identity. And who is that? Not indigenous people. Exactly. What is Canadian identity? Well, it surely has nothing to do with who's actually indigenous to this land. So is like me taking up space dependent on your validation? Because it seems to me like it is. And this is the problem with multiculturalism in contemporary context, because that is what it is taken to be. This narrative of us versus them and us accepting them. And who is the us? Well, it surely isn't me. And that's what happens, because every time I go into a workspace, oh, yes, come in, like, bring your views, bring this, bring that. You're hired. This is why you were hired, because, like, you know, you will bring a su- such a different perspective. And they like it as soon as you show them, like, cute dances and food and stuff, but then you, the second you start talking about anything that actually... Mm-hmm. Concerns you. Yeah. That, that's when they're like, well, hmm, this was cute while it lasted, but we mm-hmm. must move along. And th- And that's what bothers me, because I don't feel like I have a voice i don't feel like i can voice my concern yes there's like human resources yes all of these systems set in place but who is really there to hear me and listen to me because at the end of the day it is someone else who is a part of the us that is going to determine whether or not i have valid reasons or grounds to feel the way i'm feeling and then tell me well no action will be taken right and this is like a very specific example, and I'm sorry to go off on this rant, but this no, is you, like this is a larger off. like this is a larger problem in societies. And yeah, they feel like your sense of validation is theirs to give to you. It, yeah, absolutely. So it becomes so hard to take up space because this is just going to be a vicious cycle, right? Because while well, we were here first, so we will decide whether or not we're going to accept you or not, and. This happens not just in societies where there is, well, of course, this stems from power imbalance, but even when we go just like microscopically into marginalized communities, we see this. Think about, and this is like coming from a person who is a part of this community and is like further oppressed, but like think about predominantly white gay men and how they have completely taken over like pride and like this whole revolution Mm -hmm. and like have left out of the conversation that like pride was started by two trans women of color like think about that and they were left out of this conversation but now it has become the narrative of oh yes we must not always like put the lgb uh in front of the t and we should like accept other people in the asterisk like at the end of the acronym because they're further marginalized and it's like okay cool We are here. We're kind of louder than all of you. And now we have a savior complex. So let us validate you and let us accept you into our world. And it just becomes this whole messy situation again and again and again. It like, of course, like this is the stems from power imbalance. But this is it. This is it. Like, it's always going to be someone at one end of the spectrum being, you know, accepted by someone on the opposite end. And how do you take up space when you're on the other side, you know? How, how do you do that? When someone's cartoonized you like that and just made you out to be the stereotypical image in their mind and they haven't even recognized your humanity? I don't have an answer to that. How do you convince a person to see your humanity? 
wow, this is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but that's that's the reality. And those those were some extremely powerful words. And like, thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah, I mean, it's still pretty sad to think that people that don't have privileges that I do, male privilege, cis privilege, you know, straight passing privilege, et cetera, et cetera. They're still going to be marginalized and they're still not going to be accepted into spaces. Mm-hmm. And it really sucks. But yeah. And certainly these people don't need pity. But what they do need is for us to just pass the mic. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So that's getting towards the end of the time that we have today. Last Saturday on The Plug, which is a show that airs on Saturdays here on UMFM, there was a really sweet interview with this up-and-coming music artist named Bolu, and he has this really sweet song called Omalicha, which I'm going to play for you in a moment. So this has been Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. Be sure to check out our Instagram, Wake the F Up UMFM. And if you want to check out the Instagram of this music artist, it is official Bolu. A-G-I. So it's O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-B-O-L-U-A-G-I. Enjoy. Thanks, Cran. Thanks, Christina. Everybody fake, you my medicine intelligent, genuine, best friend, therapist. Baby girl, I'm all wrong.